Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... People who have a lot of money are often miserable because God has given them a material blessing, but they don't have the blessing of the soul. Now, you've heard people say money can't buy you happiness, right? And King Solomon would say to us, the reason money can't buy you happiness is that's the way God made the world. He made it so money and security and stuff cannot buy you long-term satisfaction. That's the way God has designed the place. Material blessings can never satisfy the longings of the human soul. By design, long-term satisfaction can only be found in an abiding relationship with Christ. As Pastor Jim explains, people are pre-programmed to expose this need for God. When people try to substitute that need with any other than a relationship with the Creator, their deepest desires can never be met. Even though it may seem unfair, God loves us too much to allow us to find lasting satisfaction in anything other than knowing Him. Now let's open our Bibles and join Pastor Jim for part one of his message entitled, When Will My Soul Be Satisfied? All the labor of a man is for his mouth, and yet the soul is not satisfied. Satisfaction. What does that word mean to you? You may know that in 2004, Rolling Stone magazine named what they called the 500 greatest songs of all time. Number two, I can't get no satisfaction by the Rolling Stones. Mick Jagger knew it. He said, I listen to the ads on the radio, not a help. Watch the guy on TV telling me what I had to have, not a help. Chased a bunch of girls, got a lot of girls. Can't get no satisfaction, because I try, and I try, and I try, and I try, but I can't get no banana (laughs) satisfaction, banana, hey, 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 that's what I say. I wonder what he said when Devo redid his song, hey, 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 (laughs) or Britney Spears (laughs) redid it. Now, I know some of you will not be able to go home without the fun fact of what was the number one song. You'll be like, that was eating me all sermon long. I couldn't pay attention. I really think there's too much bias in it. The number one song of Rolling Stone magazine was Like a Rolling Stone by Bob Dylan. Another song of some discontent. And songs of discontent are very, very popular because that's part of the human condition. A lack of satisfaction is a big part of who we are. And today, we want to ask the question, and throughout Ecclesiastes, our sermons have all been questions. And today, the question is, when will my soul be satisfied? When will my soul be satisfied? The author of Ecclesiastes is believed to be King Solomon or an autobiographer. King Solomon lived 
not quite 3,000 years ago and or was the king then, and if it was an autobiographer, maybe 2,500 years ago, long before Jesus Christ lived and certainly long before any of us lived. And he's asking these questions about satisfaction and about fulfillment in the book of Ecclesiastes. It's a tough book because it's what we call wisdom literature. And so we're taking a man from a very different culture than ours, and he's speaking in a way that would be more plain to people back then, but it's a bit of a struggle for us. He was at the time the the richest man on the earth. He was considered to be the wisest man on the earth. He would be the guy who somebody says, this guy has got it all, yet he seems to be singing, I can't get no satisfaction. He seems to be singing U2's popular song, I still haven't found what I'm looking for, and he is on a quest to find satisfaction, to find what he is looking for. And he has been looking for, to use his terminology, under the sun. He's been looking at just life on earth in terms of what we can see. He's not looking over the sun. We would think that's where God lives. He's not looking in the abode of God. He's just looking under the sun. In a world without God, he's been trying to seek satisfaction. And we've already found some of the things that we've seen some of the things he went after. He went after money. He was an empire builder. Again, we said he was the richest man in the earth. He was particularly, Solomon was particularly skilled at international trade, in particular moving goods by sea. Money didn't do it for him. He then tried pleasure. He was trying to find out, maybe if I could just have as many women as I ever dreamed of, and, and sex and parties and all that kind of stuff. And then he, he went to knowledge. He thought, well, if I could just be wise, if I could just read a lot of books, if I could just learn a lot of stuff, pump as much stuff into my brain as possible, that might work for me. And fame, fame, I'll be, I'll be famous, I'll be known all over the known world. And it all failed to deliver. Now, I have to make a confession to you that Ecclesiastes 5, or the last part of Ecclesiastes 5, and Ecclesiastes 6 is all one unit. And so the end of 5 and 6 should have been one sermon. Now, this section continues into chapter 6, and again, I split it into two sermons. You say, why? Because Ecclesiastes 6, which we're going to do today, is considered by many to be one of the most depressing chapters in the Bible. Lucky you, huh? (laughs) Should have went to the beach. But it's always important to remember when we read the Old Testament that we know what's coming in the New Testament. And so they didn't have the knowledge that we have, and so we get to look at the Old Testament in light of the New Testament. And Jesus said that they are those, he said to the Pharisees and the religious leaders, you search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, for they are those which testify of me. So even the book of Ecclesiastes is going to declare the coming Christ. Now, some of us like to take notes. If you're taking notes today on the sermon, there's three points we want to look at. Number one, a soul that is not satisfied. A soul that is not satisfied. Look at verse one. He says, there is an evil which I have seen under the sun. There's something really bad I've seen in this world, and it's common among men. He sees it a lot. A lot of us have this problem. A man to whom God has given riches and wealth and honor 
so he lacks nothing for himself of all he desires, yet, very interesting, look what's next, yet God does not give him the power to eat of it. Some versions say God does not enable him to enjoy it, but a foreigner consumes it. This is vanity, and it is an evil affliction. So here we have this fellow who's got riches, wealth, and honor. He's a man or a woman who has it all. Yet something is very wrong. They have everything they thought they wanted to get, yet they're not enjoying it. And this is the person, and it could be you, it could be me, this is the person who sits in the doctor's office and says this, I'm so depressed. I'm just so down. I'm so depressed. And maybe the the doctor starts going through a list of different things, and you're like, yeah, I got that. I'm doing that. I got that. I'm depressed. I don't, I don't, I don't know why. And here's one of the problems if you're, if you're a Christian. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, I'm so glad you're here. But here's one of the problems that happens when you become a Christian. See, I'm front-end loading some of the problems that happens when you become a Christian. Here's one of the problems that we have when you become a Christian. You know you're blessed, and then you're depressed that you're depressed. <laughs> You're like, I shouldn't be depressed. God gave me everything. And you just don't know. You just don't know. You're not sure why you're depressed. For many, it's what? It's worry. I'm not going to ask how many of you worry. Fear. Maybe we're afraid we're going to lose it all. Afraid we're going to lose our security. I was watching the news the other day and it's funny, you're, you're a pastor, you're like, when am I going to be immune from this stuff, Lord? Like, Never. And uh, so, so I turn on the financial uh, channel, and they're like, well, Greece has fallen into the Mediterranean, and the Chinese economy is, is crashing, and uh, well, let's look at the United States stock, U.S. stock market. I'm like, we don't need to look. <laughs> I, I know what's going to happen. I'm like, oh gosh, what am I going to do? And then God's like, aren't you Pastor Jim? (laughs) Come on, man. Some of us even think that God, things are going well and we think God's going to pull the rug out. You ever think that? Oh, we need help, don't we? (laughs) That's just like terrible to think that. Notice here he says that the gifts come from God and the power to enjoy those gifts or the deep satisfaction for those gifts comes from the Lord as well. Now, this is very interesting to me, what he's saying here. What he's saying here is that they're two separate gifts. That would explain why people, so many people who have a lot of money are often miserable because God has given them a material blessing, but they don't have the blessing of the soul. Now, you've heard people say money can't buy you happiness, right? And King Solomon would say to us, the reason money can't buy you happiness is that's the way God made the world. He made it. So money and security and stuff cannot buy you long-term satisfaction. That's the way God has designed the place. Now you say, why? Well, it's not because God is mean. It's not because God doesn't care. Rather, I firmly believe that God uses things like this in our lives to expose a need that he has already pre-programmed us with. He's done it to expose a need for him, to see that there, is there anything over the sun? Is there anything more than just this life? 
And so here, this fellow's problem is his relationship with God. He has an outward wealth, but he has an inward poverty of soul. Now, we give lip service, we say this. You ever hear anybody say this? You can't take it with you when you go. And if you're a corny preacher, you go, you've never seen a hearse, you know, towing a U-Haul. And if you're a less than corny preacher, you quote those corny preachers, right? And so we talk about that we can't take it with us when we go. Here he says you give it to a foreigner. Previously, he said you give it to your kids who are just going to waste all the money. But he's actually really thinking it through. I mean, have you really thought about that? Have you thought that through, that you can't take it with you when you go? And if you think it through, what do you think about that? Is it scary? Is it exciting? Young people, you're like, it doesn't matter. I'm going to live forever. You're not. (laughs) I was your age yesterday. (laughs) right? I was talking to a bunch of teenagers yesterday, and they're like, you don't seem as old as you are. I was like, I never grew up. (laughs) But, (laughs) but, But... it, it goes so quick, it's just a, life is just a breath. Verse 3 gives us a, this really sad example. He says, if a man begets a hundred children, now for most of us that would be an exaggeration, but not for a guy with 700 wives like King Solomon had. He probably had way more than a hundred children. If a guy begets a hundred children and lives many years so that the days of his years are many. Now, we have to step out of being Americans for a second and go back into Middle Eastern Bible times. Uh, for us, money and success, big part of, you know, that you've made it in the United States of America. For them, uh, long years, a long life, and lots of children. That was what the cultural pressure was. If you really, really want to be a success in their culture, you have to have a lot of children, you have to live a long time. So here's the guy who's totally achieved it all. He says this, again, verse 3, if a man begets a hundred children and lives many years so that the days of his years are many, notice this, but his soul is not satisfied with goodness. He's not satisfied with those things, right, that God has given to him that his culture says he has to have, or indeed he has no burial. Ecclesiastes has been talking about we die, people cry a couple days, and then it's just back to the races, Right? I say, and let's be sensitive to those in our audience who've lost children. He's not trying to be insensitive to that. I say that a stillborn child is better than he. Very common in that culture. A man with that many wives, the Bible does not endorse him having that many wives. The Bible just notes the history that this man had this many wives and it caused him a lot of problems. In fact, the Bible tells us that's what pulled him away from the Lord. And so losing children at birth, losing the mother at birth, very, very common. Verse 4, for it comes, this child, in vanity and departs in darkness, and its name is covered with darkness. Verse 5, though it has not seen the sun or known anything, this, this baby, has more rest than that man. He's saying that the baby who was stillborn was actually better off than this man who had everything but never learned to enjoy it. Verse 6, even if he lives a thousand years twice or two thousand years, but has not seen goodness, do not all go to one place. So here the Bible writer is telling us that if we can't have a deep satisfaction of soul, if we can't attain the deep satisfaction of soul that God gives, we'd actually be better off had we never lived. 
Now again, this is a theme in Ecclesiastes, this sort of depressing, you live, you die, and you're soon forgotten way of thinking. And he says, even if you get it all in the brief time you're here, there's a certain meaninglessness to that. There's just something wrong with that. Even a guy who has what the world says you have to have back then, lots of kids in a long life, without acknowledging that it's from God, without the satisfaction of a relationship with God, he lacks the capacity to really enjoy what God has given to him. And how sad for heaven to say, because when the Bible speaks, God speaks, how sad for heaven to say, that's a waste of a life. That this guy lived all those years, had all those kids, and of course passed on that value system, right? And lived so long and never came to the joy of the Lord. Which the Bible would say really is ultimately the purpose of our lives. To come into a joyful, satisfying relationship with God. Now, here's what's interesting to me. Let's fast forward 900, 950 years if it's Solomon, four or 500 years if it's somebody writing about him to Jesus Christ. Same value system. You got to live a long time to be a success and you got to have a lot of kids to be a success. Here comes Jesus along, this content guy. He says, John 10, 30, I and my father are one. I'm in total peace. I'm in total contentment with God. And he didn't have any kids. And he only lived to be 33. He didn't have what the culture said that you need to have to be satisfied and content. And yet he was the most satisfied and the most content man that ever lived because he found his satisfaction in God, in his heavenly father. Again, the Bible writer is not being disrespectful to those who have lost children. And if you have... Just remember, I know I'm not trying to make it better, but your heavenly father knows what it's like to lose a child because he watched his one and only precious son be crucified on a cross, unjustly dying in an unjust world. What he's saying here is if this is it, if we just live this aggravating life here on earth, then a child who doesn't make it didn't miss anything. Didn't miss anything. And here the Bible writer saying, well, at least that child found rest. At least they're spiritually alive while this man was dead without the Lord. The Bible teaches that we are actually spiritually dead without the Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2 says to all those who will find life, Turn to God, put their trust in Jesus Christ. The Bible says this, the Apostle Paul says, but God, who is rich in mercy, Ephesians 2, 4, but God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, even when we were dead in sin, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. By grace you have the forgiveness of sins in eternal life. Yesterday we were out talking to people, and uh, most people, if you ask them about their eternal destiny, they'll tell you that they're, they're going to heaven because they're a good person. But notice what the apostle says. That's not why someone goes to heaven. He says people go to heaven because of 
mercy, because of love, because of God's grace. Being a good person implies that you earn it. But grace, mercy, and love, you don't earn, you receive it. Verse 7 says, all the labor of a man is for his mouth. In other words, we're, we're working so hard just to live. Uh, sometimes for people it's to accumulate more stuff. And yet, we work, and yet the soul is not satisfied. We always want more, don't we? We are programmed to want more. I would tell you we're created to want more, but not more stuff, not more success. We are created to want more of the Lord. But what do we do? We work and we work and we work, and the bills keep coming, right? (laughs) And the more we get, the more bills we have. And how often we're working for stuff and we want to quit our job, right? And we just want to find another job because our souls are not satisfied. And the ripple effect among our coworkers is pretty bad, isn't it? Everybody wants to... (laughs) You watch the politicians are like, oh, we just need more jobs. And half the people I know are like, oh, I just want another job. I don't need more jobs, right? Everybody wants to quit. Even if we enjoy our work, we know that something is missing. We're still powerless to satisfy our souls. Well, from a soul that is not satisfied, we go to number two, a desire that is not satisfied. A desire that is not satisfied. Look at verse eight. Uh, For what more has the wise man than the fool? Now, that's very interesting. Uh, here he's telling us that nothing, he's just, we're supposed to say nothing, that the soul of the wise man is no more satisfied than the fool. Now, I don't go out and say, well, Pastor Jim said you might as well be a fool. That's not what we're saying here, okay? When in doubt, be wise. <laughs> so, but you can be wise, but even the wisest of men, the wisest of women still lacks for satisfaction in their soul. Why? because that's the way we were created. He continues, what does the poor man have who knows how to walk before the living? So he's saying, what does the poor man have who kind of knows how to live, right, uh, without more stuff? It seems like things are better for him. He's not craving everything, yet his soul still has desires as well. He says, verse 9, better In the sight of the eyes. What's better in the sight of the eyes? He's talking about being content with what we have. Better to be content with what we have than, look at this, than the wandering of desire. Interesting phraseology in what desire is. It wanders. This also is vanity and grasping for the wind. Now, whether you're rich or you're poor, whether you're foolish or you're wise, he's telling us, that our desires wander. They're out of control. They're not, they're not stable. They're not purposeful. They're not on a path. They're sort of just wandering aimlessly. I'm not talking about wanting something that's good and working towards it. That's not what I'm talking about at all. Just this crazy desire of stuff that we want, and our desires can often be so strong they usually exceed our satisfaction level. You know what that's like when you, you want something, you get it, right? And then in a, uh, shortly after that, you're dissatisfied with it. 
That's just the human condition. I was sort of having fun with this and testing it out yesterday, and we were loading up after the outreach we were at, and a couple in the church here has the same vehicle that I have. And uh, so we were loading up their trunk, and I said, um, very, very spiritual car you drive. <laughs> they know I have the same vehicle. And they said, oh, we love it, we love it. And I said, yeah, yours is a year newer than mine. <laughs> To which they replied, yeah, but you have leather. (laughs) Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you for joining us on today's edition of Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. Would you like to hear this message again? Simply log on to our website, www.changedbyloveradio.com. There you can listen to archive broadcasts, load our mobile app, as well as listen to Pastor Jim's easy-to-follow verse-by-verse teaching on much of the Bible. You can also request a CD copy of this message in its original, unedited form on our website. If you would prefer to write to us, our address is Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. That's Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Or you can give us a call at 973-659-3380. Once again, that's 973-659-3380. Changed by Love is sponsored by listeners like you. We are so thankful for your continued support and prayers that allow us to bring our show to you on this station. Make sure you tell your friends and family about Changed by Love on this station, as well as how to listen to Pastor Jim on our website and mobile app. In the next edition of Changed by Love, Pastor Jim will continue teaching through the book of Ecclesiastes. Glance at the clock right now, and please make plans to join us next time to be encouraged, comforted, and challenged by the Word of God. You are all a blessing to us. We hope to see you next time here on Changed by Love.